Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Acts chapter 10, where we left off last week. Now, we've been studying, hearing from God. Actually, if we were to title this, we could probably title it Spiritual Communication. You have to be careful. You have to let the Word of God be your standard. Amen. The Bible says there's many spirits out there, none of them without significance. That means all of them carry a significant purpose. We know there's uh, the angelic spirits, there's the divine spirit of God, then there's demonic spirits. And you know why? Each and every one of us can testify to this and attest to it. As far as spiritual communication goes, it just seems to me, now I might be wrong, but it just seems to me the adversary puts a lot of effort in trying to communicate to believers on the negative side or in the negative realm. I mean, everything, everything that he comes against in his communication to you, you ought to rejoice in the reality that he communicated to you. You say, now, what do you mean rejoice in the reality? I kind of have done it like this over the years, and it's kept him shut up pretty good. You know, the devil would say something, I'd sow some money in an offering, and the devil would say, well, you just throw your money away. You're not, and I'd just say, thank you, Mr. Devil, because the Bible says you're a liar or the father of lies. The truth is not in you. So I just believe the opposite of what you just said. I remember one time I was believing God for healing to manifest in my body. I was pretty sick. And, and I remember the enemy talk, talking to my mind and, and saying some things to my mind. And I remember saying this, Devil, you're a dummy. You ain't got any more sense than to tell me I'm sick and all this stuff about this sickness and disease when the Bible says by his stripes I'm healed. So I just thank you for reaffirming that by his stripes I'm healed because you're a liar and the truth is not in you. Remember this about all the communication of your adversary and the demonic realm. It's all lies. It's all lies. I said it's all lies. He is a liar and the truth is... So when he comes and tells you you're not saved, you're going to say, liar, get out of here in Jesus' name. Amen? So we've got to make a decision to resist the communication of the adversary, not to entertain it so that we won't be an easy mark. You say, what do you mean by an easy mark? Well, you know, a lot of people, the enemy loves to talk to them. And I, it's, it amazes me how people will listen to the adversary when they won't even listen to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I, I was listening, I, I've actually heard this story about two or three times from the, from the minister that told it, and then I've heard it uh, uh, several times on, on, on the teaching tapes or the teaching uh, 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 information that I have that I listen to from this particular minister. He was ministering, this would have been back in the, in the uh, early, uh, uh, early 70s, when Christ for the Nations was first getting going. It was a great Bible school up in, uh, uh, up in Dallas, uh, uh, started by... Gordon Lindsay, Gordon and, and, and his, uh, Gordon and Frieda Lindsay. Anyway, he was scheduled to do some meetings up there, and he was up there doing some meetings, and they brought in a, a, a missionary who had been diagnosed with cancer. And so this missionary had sat in his, his meetings, and of course they were, they were uh, 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 teaching on faith, teaching on receiving from God, teaching on all these things. And, and uh, uh, he, this minister made special effort every day to go to this missionary's room because he was in a, in a bed and they would, they would prop him up there, bring him into the services and prop him up in a seat and take him back and put him in his bed. That's how sick he was. He was, he was dying. And uh, 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 so this minister would make special effort to go every day 
and sit with him and read scriptures and encourage him to be healed. So one particular day, he's sitting there speaking with this, this missionary, talking to him about healing, and he looks up and Jesus is standing at the foot of his bed with his arms out like this. And, and, and this, this minister said to this missionary, rise and be healed. Get up and be healed. He said the guy got out of bed and took about three steps and then just flopped back in the bed. And he said again, Jesus said when he started to walk to him, Jesus put his arm down. He said Jesus put his arms back up again. He said the guy got up again and took two or three steps and, and fell right back in the bed. Did that about three or four times. And then this minister said to him, he said, you don't have any faith at all to be healed. And he looked at him and he said this, I just can't be healed. I just can't be healed. And he said Jesus turned and looked at him and he said the look on Jesus' face would break your heart. And he said, then he just vanished just like that. Now, this missionary testified to this minister. He did not see Jesus. This minister did. But the missionary testified to this minister. He said, Jesus was standing at the foot of my bed, wasn't he? He said, yep, he sure was. Now, with that powerful of a manifestation of Jesus standing at the foot of your bed, you would think anybody could get healed especially a missionary that had given his life to preach the gospel in a, in a nation in which he left this nation to go preach it. But he didn't. He just kept saying, this minister said, he kept saying over and over, I just can't be healed. I just can't be healed. Well, that comes from communication from your adversary. Let me just say something. You can be healed. Amen. You can prosper. Yes. You can be delivered. Yes. You can get your answer to prayer. God can manifest in your life. Don't listen to the devil. Don't listen to the devil. Praise God. Now, here we are in Acts chapter 10. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called an Ita the Italian band, a devout man. Everybody say devout. One that feared God with all his house. Everybody say feared God. Gave much alms. Everybody say he's a giver. To, to the people, and he prayed to God always. Well, he's a man of prayer. Now, we have determined several different ways in which God talks to us. And of course, when we haven't exhausted, we're going to talk about many more. But these are some of the ones we've touched on. Uh, the inward witness, what we would call the still small voice, the authoritative voice of the Spirit, spiritual perception, the unheard voice, remember that? The voice of righteousness, the unheard voice, where you just walk in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. We call that spiritual common sense. Visions, dreams, and trances, angelic communication. And we're going to get into some other things besides that. Now, as we said last week, Cornelius, who is a Roman soldier, which I always find it amazing that a Roman soldier would serve the God of a defeated nation. Amen? A Roman soldier who was a part of the army of conquest that became an army of occupation had now made a decision to become a Jewish proselyte. Now there are all that kind of things you can read about Cornelius. Some of them say that he was the centurion that came to Jesus, that Jesus healed his servant. Others say that, I don't know who he was, but, but obviously he was seeking God. Amen? Now, as he sought God, a higher level of communication manifested. Notice what it says. It says he saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God. Now notice this. Not only is a vision manifesting, it's an angelic visitation. Everybody say angelic. Listen, I, I, I believe that the angelic realm amongst us 
desires to be more active than it is. The, the, the angelic realm, we'll teach on this a little later, but I'll just kind of throw it out to you. The angelic realm responds to the Word of God in you. Now, I've heard a bunch of teaching about how people get up and say, well, my angel, I'm telling them, go do this, go do that. I don't see that in the Scripture. But what I see is the obedience of men and women to the Word of God and angels being dispatched on behalf of their obedience. Amen. Now, I don't mind saying that there's been times when I have heard myself in prayer say things like, you know, I release the angels of God. We say it at the end of our confession. We do that. I believe we can prove that scripturally. But here in this vision, this angel is coming with instruction. Now, that's the thing we must understand about angels. Angels don't preach the gospel, which ought to help you stay uh, uh, free from being a Mormon. Amen? You say, why is that? That's where Joseph Smith got his, quote, revelation or doctrine was from an angelic or what he thought was an angelic visit, but it wasn't was an, an angel, it was a demon. It was a demon. You say, well, they're such good people. doesn't matter how good you are. Paul said to the Galatians, if anyone else, even an angel, were to preach something other than the gospel I preached, let them be accursed. Amen? Now notice here. A vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming unto him, saying unto him, Cornelius. Now notice this. When he looked on him, he was afraid. He said, what is it, Lord? He said unto him, thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. Now, just a little rabbit trail, amen? There is a little meat on a rabbit. Here is communication from heaven, um, excuse me, communication from earth to heaven. You say, what do you mean? This angel says to Cornelius, what you're giving and what you're praying is showing up in heaven. Come on, church. What you're giving and what you're praying is getting heaven's attention. I like how he said it. He said it like this. He said, thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. Now, what are memorials? Memorials are that which put you in remembrance. Amen. We've got memorials. I, I guess one of the... The, the, the bigger ones we have in our area is the San Jacinto Monument. Anybody know what the San Jacinto Monument's about? It's about the, 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 the defeat of Santa Ana's army by, uh, uh, who was it, General Sam Houston uh, in April, what was it, April 21st? 1836. 1836. Texas became a nation. Why'd we ever quit? <laughs> Amen. So they erected this great big memorial to what? To put you in remembrance. We do it with our loved ones when they pass and go to heaven. We do it in other ways. But all memorials are designed to do that. So obviously in heaven there is an area of memorials where people pray and give and God gives recognition to it. Listen, your prayers and your alms ought to come up for a memorial before God. Our prayers and our giving as a church ought to come up as a memorial before God. When we... Uh, First trip we made to the nation of Ireland, the Republic of Ireland in 1988, uh, another pastor and I, we traveled all around the nation and basically just found a remnant of a charismatic Catholic movement that had taken place 1982-83. Now it's 1988, so there's just a remnant left. People were so hungry. So everywhere we went, these little uh, prayer groups... They'd come together. We'd have these great services. They'd bring their friends. People get saved. But we invited everyone at the end of the week to come to a, to a, to a, to a conference or a seminar in Athlone, which is right in the middle. So we chose that, that city right in the middle of Ireland. 
Now, we, we scheduled a, a Saturday night, a Sunday morning, and a Sunday night meeting. And I did the Sunday morning meeting, the other pastor did the Saturday night and the Sunday night meeting. Now, in the Sunday night meeting, God began to move powerfully. It was amazing what God began to do. And we begin to see the gifts of the Spirit in operation. People begin to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Several got saved. There were a couple of outstanding healings that took place. And then all of a sudden, the Spirit of God began to move, and we took an offering based on this Scripture right here. And what was amazing, there was about maybe 200 to 215 or 20 people there. And during that month of December over in Russia, there had been a terrible earthquake and in the front page of the Irish Times, they were, they were talking about how Ireland had given 50,000 Irish pounds. It was before the euro, so it was an Irish pound. They had given 50,000 Irish pounds toward relief toward that earthquake in Russia. So we just begin to talk about the memorial, the memorial, how there's memorials in heaven, how God will move according to that which we pray and that which we give. And we took an offering... In that service, around 200, and, uh, 200 to 215 people, and over 50,000 pounds came in. At that time, it was to be equivalent to about $75,000. These people had no teaching on giving. They had no teaching on tithing. What they wanted is they wanted a move of God. Somebody gave a car. People gave money. People gave watches. I remember I had a nice watch on. I gave my watch. I'm telling you, people gave everything they had, and we saw beginning right then and there a great move of God start in that nation. The next meeting we did was a, in a tent in, a, in the parking lot of a, of a church there, and we had people come from all over that nation, and we saw signs and wonders and miracles, and out of those meetings came churches and ministries, and God's blessing was flowing. You say, why? Because there is obviously a place in heaven where God looks at the giving and the prayers of people who are contending for a move of God. That's exactly what Cornelius is doing. He's not trying to get his house paid off. He's not trying to get his chariot paid off. He is devout. He's fearing God. He's giving much, and he's praying because he knows there's something more. How many know there's something more? I said, how many know there's something more? So here comes this angel responding to his prayers and his giving. Now notice this. Verse 5 begins with instruction. Now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside, and he shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. When the angel was spoken to Cornelius, was departed, he called two of his household servants, a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. Now, verse, uh, verse 9 now. On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance. Now everybody say a trance. Now this is a higher level of communication than a vision. Now a trance literally means to go into a comatose-like state. Not a physical coma, but literally your senses are suspended. You're not seeing, you're not hearing, you're not getting up, you're not moving. You're, you're, you're literally just laid out on the floor, in the chair, wherever you're at. You're incapacitated because literally the hand of God or the power of God has come upon you. Now listen, if God ever puts you in, your, in a trance, He's trying to get your attention. I said, He's trying to get your attention. 
There's something really major fixing to happen in your life or your ministry or your business or your job, whatever. There's something really big fixing to happen if God puts you in a trance and yours, all of your senses are suspended. Amen? Now notice what happens here, though. This is unusual. It says, and he saw heaven opened and a certain vessel. Now he's not seeing with physical eyes. He's seeing into the spirit. And a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit off the four corners let down to the earth wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him. Now notice, these senses that's being talked about, seeing heaven open, hearing the voice, that's obviously got to be his physical senses being stimulated by that which is going on in the spirit realm. Now let me say that again. That's got to be his physical senses being stimulated by that which is going on in the spirit realm. He's seeing in the spirit realm. He's hearing in the spirit realm. But he's laying there and he can't move. God's trying to get his attention. And then here comes the voice and says, now notice, it's red letters in my Bible. It's Jesus speaking. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Now that's pretty simple. Amen. But now notice this. But Peter said, now listen to this. Peter said, not so, Lord. Now, wait a minute. Let's let's look at this just a minute. All right? I mean, I I rejoice when when the inward witness is working. (laughs) I mean, I any any, any goosebump, anything I get, I'm like, glory to God, you know? How many know what I'm talking about? And I'm telling you, behind some of those goosebumps and inward witnesses, I've, I've made major decisions of life. And here Peter's in a trance. And he's seeing heaven opened. And he's seeing a, a sheet come down. Uh, the, the four corners is like they were balled up like this and come down and let down. And there's all manner of unclean beasts, four-footed beasts, fowls of the air, creeping things. Things that were unclean are considered unclean according to Levitical law. And God says to Peter, rise, kill, and eat. And he says, no. (laughs) Amen. Now notice this. He says, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. Well, you know, I'd really, I'd really like to sit down and talk to Peter in heaven about that statement. Now really, let's just be practical. He's a commercial fisherman. Okay, we can set that aside and give him, give him credit. He, you know, as all his life as a commercial fisherman, he never ate any, you know, he never ate any crustaceans because you can't eat crustaceans under the Levitical law. He never had no shrimp, no lobster, no crabs, no clams, none of that. All right, we'll give him that. He's a good Jewish man. But he's living in the house of a tanner in Joppa by the seaside. Now, let me give you a picture of what that's like. They would slaughter cattle. Cattle that were of an inferior, uh, uh, inferior, the carcass was inferior, the meat was bad or whatever it was, they would float those cattle out in the water till they bloated. Because when they bloated, it was easier for them to separate the skin from the carcass. Yum, yum. <laughs> I guarantee you that's unclean for anybody. <laughs> I said that's unclean for anybody. So there's a little bit of question here, but we know what he's talking about. 
he's not really talking about eating the animals in the sheet. He's talking about the gospel being preached to the other nations of the world other than the Jewish nation. Now notice, look at this again. This is amazing. But Peter said, Not so, Lord. I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, call thou not common. This was done thrice or three times, and the vessel was received up into heaven. Notice the first part of verse 17. Now, well, Peter doubted. Now, let me say something to you. This incident revealed in Peter a prejudice. Let me say that again. This incident revealed in Peter a prejudice in him. Now, I don't have time to go teach you historically about what went on, but you can go to the next chapter. He's very apologetic for this event that takes place. He says, hey, listen, man, I didn't touch anybody. I didn't lay hands on anybody. I was preaching. I just preached the word, and the Holy Ghost fell on him, just like it did at us in, uh, up in the upper room. I, I mean, he was very apologetic. And if you chart his ministry, we see a little bit of him there in chapter 12. But from then on, it's the Apostle Paul that rises up and goes to the Gentile world. Listen, anytime the Father does something extraordinary to communicate to you. There can come instruction, but there also can come revelation of that which is wrong with you. This is why you're not doing this. This is why. Those are the times you don't want to reject that. Those are the times you want to say, Lord, I just open myself. Whatever you want to show me, shine a light on every dark corner of my life. I've done that many times. I've said, Lord, any dark area of my life, just show me. I was reading a, uh, one of Brother Hagin's books, Kenneth E. Hagin's books. He was talking about being at the altar one time. And, and, and he said, he said I, I, I noticed I was in the spirit and I was praying about things in my life I needed to get out. And he said, I looked way down in my spirit. He said, I saw this big black glob. He said, Lord, what is that? He says, that's your Baptist doctrine, your Baptist theology, your Baptist tradition. He said, I want that out. He said he began to pray. He said, next thing you know, he saw that thing rise up and come out of him. He said, as soon as he did, he looked down a little, uh, a little further, a little deeper. He said, there was one twice that size. He said, Lord, what's that? He said, that's your Pentecostal doctrine. He said, that's your, he said, that's your Pentecostal tradition. Listen, when God begins to deal with your life, it's not time to say, not so, Lord, I'll never. God is fixing to visit us. I said, God is fixing to visit us. Listen, to the Jewish race, there's only two kinds of people on the planet, and that's them and the Gentile dogs, and we're all the Gentile dogs. Everybody say, woof, woof. We were considered common or unclean. But what a message. What God hath cleansed. Hey, come on, somebody ought to get happy about that. What God hath cleansed, what God hath cleansed, what God hath cleansed. Don't call it common. Don't call it unclean. You say, why? Because God hath cleansed. What a, what a message to the world. The world thinks they're dirty. The world thinks they're filthy before God. The world thinks they cannot even approach a holy or righteous God. But God hath Past tense, already done it by the blood of Jesus. God hath cleansed them. 
This is the message God's trying to get through Peter into the group over there at Cornelius' house. And he is resisting God. He gets up out of this I can see him when his, when his senses begins to come back, he begins to move, he begins to get up. And the first thing that hits his mind is what? Doubt. Now, not only that, look at this. this is a, we don't want to beat up Peter, but it says, while he doubted in himself. That means there was an inward doubt. Now, let me just say this. This may help you. Because we're going to talk about dreams, other things like that. Whenever you have what I call an extraordinary, an extraordinary, extraordinary visitation or communication from God, you can always have it pass the litmus test by what comes into you after it happens. You say, what do you mean by that? Many times the first thing that tries to come into you is doubt. So what's that doubt in me? Man, I just, I just had a most awesome dream from God and I wake up and all this doubt's hit me. That's, you should right there say, that's God trying to speak to me. You have a, a vision of an angel. You have a vision of some, some, some communication to you. And I guarantee you, the enemy, he sees in the spirit realm, he lives in the spirit realm, he sees when communication takes place, and he'll do anything he can do to try to confuse it, to try to bring doubt, or try to get you to think that it wasn't even God in the first place. Amen? And when you realize that God has spoken to you and given you something from the spirit realm into your own heart, you've got to treasure that. You've got to go after that. I'm telling you, the apostle Paul, we can turn over there and look at what happened to him in Acts chapter 9. And things were said to him about what he was going to have to suffer to preach the gospel. And immediately after he got up from there and his eyes were open and he received the Holy Ghost, he starts preaching the gospel and those people in Damascus tried to kill him and God made a way for him to get out of there by lowering him over the wall. Amen? Let me tell you something. The enemy is really not big on God communicating down to people on the earth. That's why he does everything he can do to try to resist it, confuse it, or try to do something to make you think you've heard from God and it's not God. Now, let's talk about that for a minute, and then we'll close. Well, Pastor, what if I go and what if I have a trance? What if I have a vision? What if, what if, what if, what if something like that? How, how do I know? How do I, what if I have a feeling? That's one of the biggest things we get fooled by is feelings or emotions. So I was down at the altar. I was crying and crying and crying. It had to be God speaking to you. No, your emotion is no sign that God has spoken to you. Well, I was laying on the floor laughing, laughing, laughing. Had to be, you know what? That's, uh, thank God God blessed you. Amen? Thank God you're being blessed, but that is no sign that God had communicated to you. I was praying about our land. We had looked for land for two years. We had two pieces of property on 45th Street we were looking at. We had another piece of property come available on the other side of the Justice Center. And then the first piece of property we looked at was the piece of property we have right now. The people were selling it by the square foot. $12 $12 a square foot. Three and a half acres, $12 a square foot. And so we sent them offers. They never even, they never, didn't even return our phone calls. Didn't even return our phone calls. We did, we wrote letters. We, we did all kinds of things. I thought, man. So we looked at where the old Gerlins is on 45th Street, and we looked down the street. And there some, uh, the Catholic Church owned some property there. There was some other property that the, uh, uh, a family in the church owned over uh, on the other side of the Justice Center. We looked in there. We thought that might be it. We were rejoicing, thanking God, because it looked like that might be it. And so it was about this time of year. 
four years ago. And I was praying. I was on my knees because I knew the only one going to make the decision going to be me. And I, I told the Lord, I was, I was on my way to uh, Fire for the Nations in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I told the Lord, Lord, I, I, I have to have an answer from you. I have to know. You have to tell me. You have to speak to me. And so I went praying. Really didn't spend a lot of time fellowshipping with people, just praying, interceding. And in a meeting, Pastor Mark was praying for a man, one of the elders of his church, asked me to come up and lay hands on him. And when I laid hands on him, both of us fell on the floor. And a spirit of intercession came upon us. And when it lifted off of me, all I can say was this, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that that piece of land, that nobody had ever responded to any communication, that was our land. I knew it. I knew it. I didn't believe it. I knew it. So we came back, and I made an, uh, another attempt to communicate with them, and we sent them a letter and offered them $6 a square foot. Amen? Well, guess what? They communicated back to us for the first time. We'd done that two years earlier. They communicated back to us and said, 11. So we went up to 7. They came down to 10. We went up to 8. They came down to 9. They said, we won't go any lower. We said, we'll take it. I'll never forget telling them, we'll take it. And I thought to myself, how are we going to take it? <laughs> he said, well, how do you know God really spoke to you? Well, we have the land. And it's, it was impossible for us to get it. And I came back from that fire for the nations. I know what piece of land, glory to God. And then I got to thinking, I did the math on $6 a square foot on three and a half acres. I mean, $9 a square foot. I, th I thought, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Praise the Lord, you know. <laughs> well, thank God for faith. Thank God for faith. And the Lord spoke to me in my spirit with that authoritative voice of the Spirit. And he said, you remember 2005? I said, no. I didn't. I said, Lord, help me remember. What, what, what's to... And he said, when Katrina and Rita hit, you guys were saving money because you needed to move out of that little, little uh, 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 building over there on 45th Street, Lumberyard's what it was. And you took, and I spoke to you, and you gave that money to several different churches and several different people that came all of our entire building fund. He said, that was your seed for your land. Well, that helped. <laughs> Amen. So by October, how many remember when we had the boards up here? Remember those boards? By October, uh, we had $300,000. We were rejoicing. We were thanking God. $300,000. But you can't buy a piece of land that's $1.38 million with $300,000. So I got up and I declared to the church a closing date. I said, we're going to close on that land on December the 15th. On December the 15th, we didn't close on that land. Amen. But you know, I had no alarm in my spirit. I had no check in my spirit. And in the meantime, in the next couple of weeks, we had a couple of offerings come in. And by the first of the year, actually by the 31st, by, by uh, what, what, what do we call it, a, a New Year's Eve celebration, we had a million dollars in the bank. Well, you still can't buy a $1.38 million piece of land with a million dollars. So we just prayed. 
And when I canceled the closing date on December the 15th, I, I, I uh, scheduled another one for January the 15th. So on New Year's Eve celebration, we had a wonderful time. God moved, power of God in manifestation. We went home. They got up the next day, counted the offering, and there was almost $400,000 in the offering. And we were able to go and buy that land Two checks, because actually it was three acres from one owner and a half acre from another owner, and pay cash for it to the glory of God. To the, but we had to hear from God to do that. I said we had to hear from God to do that. Now the same thing, I can tell you testimony after testimony after testimony, how God will communicate to you and how God will minister to you as you walk these things out by faith. But you've got to be willing to go through the process and receive the communication of God and act upon it. All right, I'll do that. Now, in closing, let me say this. Here's where we mess up. Anything that God speaks to you to do, it's not going to be practical. Now, that, I'm telling you, that you better get ready. Amen. Let's just kind of put it like this. You're going to have to get ready to feed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread and three fish. You're going to have to get ready to smear mud on their eye. Come on. It's not going to be some practical, oh, I can see that. Oh, I see how that's going to, it's not, that never happens. Amen. It's always going to be something where on the surface it's going to look like You say, well, Pastor, what if you wouldn't have made that January 15th closing date? I would have been setting that date every month on the 15th till we closed. He said, for how long? Till I went to heaven or Jesus came back. We had a, we had a guy who was in a wheelchair, had a spinal cord injury. We're up in Missouri teaching at a, uh, preaching a revival up there. And uh, the power of God hit this guy, blew him out of the chair onto the floor. And uh, he wiggled like a snake up to the front and was wiggling around. And I could hear, it started getting kind of awkward. And I, you could kind of hear the thoughts in people, how long is he going to do that? How long is he going to do that? So I just got up and said, you know, some of you are thinking, how long is he going to do that? And I'm going to tell you how long he's going to do that. Tell he don't have to do it anymore. And it didn't take him but a few more jerks on the floor and he was up. He said, well, you say, how long am I going to have to do it? You might have to do it a while. See, a lot of times we're afraid to dip seven times, to go around the city seven times. Amen. All of the, let, let me go, man. Sometimes we're afraid to go through the process of elimination. What in December 15th? What if it wouldn't have been January? Then we would have went for February. What if it wouldn't have been February? We would have went for March. What if we would have went for, you see what I'm saying? We would have gone through the process of elimination. We had to do that with the land. Yeah. We had one, two, three, four different options. We had to go through the process of elimination. Sometimes people are unwilling to go through the process of elimination. You have to do that. Paul did that when he wanted to go to Asia. Spirit of God said no. He wanted to go to Bithynia. Spirit bet him not. But when he was doing that, he got the Macedonian vision and rose up the church that supported him throughout his ministry. So all of these spiritual things when it comes to communication. And let me say this, and I, I promise you I'll close. <laughs> I promise. 
Christianity does not teach spiritual communication. It, it does not. The major denominational theological schools, they don't teach hearing from God, being led by the Spirit, understanding visions, dreams, trances, angelic communication. Amen? And the problem is many of them teach against it. That if anybody gets up and says they've heard from God. I remember when, when Or Roberts got up and said, uh, I need $9 million or God's going to take me home. I remember that. They went berserk. But I had the privilege of sitting down with them at a, ta with them at a table and asking them about that. Okay, listen, let me just say this. When the news media says something, they don't get it right most of the time. That's not what he said. He did not say, if I don't get $9 million, God's going to take me home. What he said was, I need $9 million, and if I can't get it, the pressure of this debt on my life, it just makes me want to go home. I'm under such pressure. There's such pressure for this money that it's good. And literally, it enraged the man who owned a racetrack. Who wrote the check? God used it. Amen? And many times when God communicates to you, you can't afford to edit it by anything that's ever happened in your life. You've got to take it in its purest form and you'll find out that God doesn't speak in riddles or rhymes. or uh, he'll, make it, he'll make it absolutely plain to you. This is what I've said to you. This is what I've said to you. God does not have a hard time communicating or making himself known. The problem many times is on our end, in hearing or listening. And the point I was trying to make was this. If you've missed it in the past, and God has spoken something, and you missed it, he said, oh, man, why did I do that? What did I do? I've done that many times. The thing to do is to make sure you keep your heart right. To go back and if you can rectify any situation, rectify it. If not, throw yourself on the mercy seat. And just vow to God, you speak to me, I'm going to obey. And God will be faithful to his word. And he'll rehearse back to you that which you need to hear. And he'll impart his word and he'll speak with you. And I guarantee you'll hear the voice of God. And you'll know that it's God spoken to you. Amen? End of the story is, the Holy Ghost fell. Because of that, we have the Holy Ghost today. Thank God for Cornelius. Amen. Amen. Amen? Praise God. Well, stand on your feet tonight. Father, thank you so much for your word, for the anointing that your word carries, that the entrance of your, light, your word brings light and life to us. Father, we thank you tonight as we obey your word for these cloths. We lay hands upon them. We thank you for the transmission of the anointing of God, that which God does in and through men and women into these cloths to affect healing and cures and that which is needed by your people Lord God so we leave tonight we claim our protection declaring Psalms 91 over the entire church no evil befalls us no plague comes nigh our dwelling place angels have charge over us thanking you Heavenly Father here at Island Church each and every one of us as we travel by the highways airways seaways railways or any other way of transportation Lord, we're not subject to trauma, terror, evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. So we work 
in the resource you've given us. Thank you for your protection and safety, your blessing, your increase. Thank you, Father, that each and every one of us in the particular field that we're in will prosper, be blessed, increase. Thank you for raises. Thank you for bonuses. Thank you for businesses exploding. Thank you for business coming in. Thank you for business going out. Thank you for the blessings of God overtaking us in the way. In all things, we thank you, Lord. Thank you for the door of utterance. Thank you that each and every one of us will practice the ministry of reconciliation, restoration, encouragement. We lay hands on the sick. We cast out devils. Freely we have received. Freely we will give. Thank you, Father, as we leave tonight. We walk in faith and love toward you. Lord, we love you so much. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you for our fellowship, for our communion. Thank you for Island Church. We leave tonight as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thank you, Lord. Here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.